Time now to talk NBA draft with Kyle Boone. He covers college basketball for CBS Sports, covers the NBA draft as well. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Kyle, everybody's got opinions on the NBA draft. Let's start right at the top. Zion was spectacular. He overwhelmed college basketball. But has he got enough of a perimeter shot to succeed the way the NBA game is going and to succeed to the level that the hype expects him to play at? Yeah, I think um, he, he's getting there. Um, you know, he dominated college basketball really without a reliable jumper all season. So, yeah, I think he's going to put up some big numbers, whether or not that perimeter game is, is uh, ultimately in place for him at the NBA. I think that's where he can certainly most improve. Um, his his release as a shooter is a little bit awkward. Um, I would like to see him move it up just a little bit, and and obviously the consistency from the three point line is something that I think he can improve on with time. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, it's a weakness now, but I think he can turn it into a strength down the line. We keep hearing that this draft is like a three or four player draft, and I have to laugh because you know I look at the Toronto Raptors, and of the eight guys who played in the final game six the other day. Uh, I think the highest pick was Kawhi Leonard at 15. You had Lowry at 24. Siakam went later. Van Fleet was a free agent. Then you had some second-round picks in Gasol and Danny Green. I think uh, Serge Ibaka with Seattle at the time was also a a very late first-round pick. So in my mind, I I hear these things, and I don't really believe it because it seems like more often than not – there's what we would identify as sleepers, and they develop into pretty good, if not in case of Kawhi Leonard, a star NBA player. So would I really believe that it's only three or four deep in terms of guys coming in and making an impact? Yeah, I, I think that um, there's a lot of sleepers in this class, right? I mean, you look at the guys at the top, and people say it's a three-person draft because there's Zion Williamson, John Moran, R.J. Barrett, who I think are probably the, the can't-miss players. But, yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want a role player inside the top ten, um, I think that may be a little bit rich for my blood. But, you know, Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, these guys I think could be role players. Reddish kind of fits that mold of a guy who could be a sleeper prospect. I think there's a lot of red flags with him, but there's a lot to be excited about him too. And I think if he, he hits his ceiling, hits his potential – um, I think he could be an all-star. So it, you can find value up and down the first round and even into the second round, as we've seen time and again with uh, with a lot of teams. And like you mentioned, even the Raptors most recently kind of making a mockery of the draft and uh, finding a lot of success not only in the first round but the second round too. All right, so the Jazz are drafting 23, assuming they don't make a trade and move up, down, or out. Who's a sleeper who might be available around 23 that you're high on that's worth taking a shot at? I, I don't think I would necessarily be high on him, but uh, I think if he's available, I would take him, and, and that's Bol Bol, the uh, the seven foot two center from Oregon. He only played nine games last season, had a foot injury, and, and cut short his, his season, but shot 50% from three, um, blocked over two and a half shots per game, He's a, a rare talent, a guy who is probably going to slip because there's some durability concerns. There's concerns about his motor, but a guy who can shoot the three off the dribble and, and above the break and, and can also protect the rim is a guy that 
doesn't come around very often. And uh, I think the injury concerns are probably going to have him slip into that range where the Jazz are going to be picking. And uh, if I'm the Jazz, I would try it, man. I think he's a big boomer bust prospect. But if he hits, I think he could be a good prospect for them. A couple guys that we've seen play here in the West Coast Conference because of BYU's affiliation at Gonzaga, and that would be Achimura and Clark. And I've seen their names, and I've seen, the, you know, you look at all these mock drafts, and these two I've seen as high as maybe 10, but as low as 20, maybe even a little lower than that. What do you think the prospects of those two guys being successful NBA players are? Yeah, I, lo- I like both of those guys. I think Hachimura is a guy who's, who's still learning and, and uh, getting a feel for the game. He started playing basketball um, in his early teens, and, and it's still kind of just getting a feel for things. But he plays with a lot of energy, has a really high motor, and uh, he has a, he's kind of a, a big power forward with some guard skills. I think he's going to be pretty intriguing. I would expect him to probably go in the late lottery, so somewhere around you know that 12 to 13, 14, 15 range. Um, and then Brandon Clark is, uh, is a guy who really popped on the radar. He transferred from San Jose State to Gonzaga and played only one season at Gonzaga, and that was last year. And he led the NCAA in shots blocked. Um, and he at the combine actually measured out at six foot eight with a six foot eight wingspan, which is just T Rex arm. So it speaks to how athletic he is. He has really good defensive instincts. He's a guy who finishes around the rim well. And, you know, I don't think he has a super high ceiling, but um, he's a guy who's, who's going to be a really safe pick. So uh, someone who can be a defensive stopper and, and uh, finish around the rim, finish lobs, I think has a lot of value in the NBA. I would expect him to go right around that same range, like that 12 to 15 area. T-Rex arms is a phrase that needs to be used more when breaking down draft prospects. We don't hear that. <laughs> uh, so, so rank some of these guys. If you were if you were slotting and multiple guys were available in the Jazz or drafting and putting the in the mix, uh, Ty Jerome uh, projected as a combo guard. He's six five. He played for Virginia, the title team. He shot the three, the college three, but still he shot the three well, thirty nine percent. Where does he fit in all of this? He, he would be right up there. I think if Bull Bull is available, I would just try and bet on the talent and hope that it pans out. I think he, if he hits, I think he could be really good. Um, I would put Ty Jerome second uh, on my wish list for the Jazz. You know, he's a guy who a lot of people are, are high on. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, he's a shooting guard. Well, he's a, he's a combo guard. He, play, he played both guard positions in college. Um, he's a really high IQ ball handler, and I think he could run a second unit for an NBA team. Uh, the value he brings is, is number one, he's six foot five, so he's got a great physical profile. And number two, he's one of the best pure spot up shooters in this draft, so he doesn't need the ball to make an impact. He's a guy who uh, runs off screens well, finds open spaces, can cut and make shots, and I think alongside Donovan Mitchell, it'd be a great fit. I'm wondering how much you buy in terms of guys going to certain programs and them developing into good NBA players. You look at a a program like Duke, it seems to have a ton of players every year. And a lot of these players, when they get to the pros, they're just kind of so-so. But then you look at a program like Crosstown, Carolina, and I would throw Kentucky and Villanova in there. It just seems that those guys, when they come out and get in the NBA, even if they're drafted later, they seem like they're ready to play at the NBA level. Do you buy that theory that certain programs develop better pros than others? Yeah, I don't know if I buy that necessarily. Um, yeah, I, it, it depends on a case by case basis. But 
a lot of that is, is partly skewed, too, because I would say, for the most part, Duke and Kentucky have produced the, the best NBA talent, um, by and large, over the past few years, which means that they are almost certainly going to the worst NBA teams. And <laughs> when you're going to the worst NBA teams, you're going to lose a lot. I think uh, you know it, it could be skewed by just the fact that, yeah, they're being productive, but they're being productive on bad teams. Um, you know, it, it depends on each case, but yeah, certainly Villanova and uh, Texas has produced a lot of NBA talent that has that has done really well in the NBA. A lot of these programs now um, are are churning out elite program talent, and uh, it's real impressive to see. Kyle Boone joining us he covers the NBA draft and college basketball for CBS Sports. So. You're seeing a lot of games. You hear a lot of people talk about it. And, you know, we ask you about guys a lot of people are talking about. Is there a dark horse you like that nobody's talking about and you just can't believe people haven't caught on to this guy? Yeah, there's a few. Um, I would say Chumo Kiki is the guy that that I'm pushing my uh, chips to the table for and a guy that is being slept on. And the reason people are not talking about him is he tore his ACL last, last season in the NCAA tournament. But – a six foot nine power forward. He has great defensive instincts. He's a good three point shooter and, and probably a projectable floor spacer in the NBA. He's almost certainly going to have a redshirt year as a rookie just because of the injury. But you know, before he went down, I was uh, hearing from a lot of people that thought that he was a top twenty talent in this draft and will probably end up slipping into that second round range. But you know, when we look back in a few years and, and you look back at, you know, teams like the Raptors and a lot of these teams that draft really well, Okiki is going to be a guy that gets picked in the second round. And in five years from now, we're going to say, wow, that guy slipped to the second round. That's insane. So that that's a guy I stand for. I think he has a lot of talent. He has first-round talent. But uh, because of the injury, he's going to get overlooked. How much do you think that the Rockets really are going to shake things up? I, I think they're going to shake the tree and see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think that they saw what the Raptors could do when when the Warriors were not at full strength, and I think they probably think that they're pretty close to making one or two moves to getting to that same spot. So, you know, I think all things are on the table at this point. Wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul is playing for a different team next season. Wouldn't be surprised if Clint Capella is playing for a different team next season. Um, I, I think that Daryl Morey, the GM there, is, is trying to shake things up uh, in a big way. Okay, Chris Paul's going to make 38-5 next year. He's going to make 41-3 the year after that. He's got a third option year sitting out there. It's a player option of $44 million. Hard to believe he'll walk away from that money. That's $120 million plus for three years. You say you wouldn't be surprised. Who will take that deal? As someone who's going to want a lot in return, uh, you know, I, I think if, uh, if if the Rockets get rid of them, they're going to have to use it basically as a salary dump and say, all right, you take you take Chris Paul's massive contract and his three-year deals, um, but you also, you know, we're going to give you a first-round pick in 2020 and a first-round pick in 2021. It's going to cost the Rockets uh, if they want to move on from, from Chris Paul. Um, but they could be that desperate. I think they still feel pretty confident that there may be one or two moves away. Um, someone, someone could do it. You know, I think there's always a suitor out there, despite how bad the contract is. But yeah, if you look at that deal and, and the decline of Chris Paul's game, it looks like it's going to be a tough, tough one to move for sure. 
Kyle, we appreciate a few minutes talking uh, NBA draft, and uh, we'll read you at CBS Sports. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, fellas.